Fantasy Focus Football is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico and see all the ways you could save. It's March 9th. We've got a full boat there, and I mean a full boat. We are back <laughs> in the old stomping grounds, which I know we said that the last show and the show before that, but it's a good reminder because, A, not everybody listens to every offseason. That's show, right. And, yep. B, we haven't had this full four-person crew here in what would you call this now? A radio studio? Like, yeah. Really not that many radio shows here, are there? No, but I think it was, well, we'd still call this a radio studio. It is a for radio now. studio. It just has Greenie's uh, background <laughs> yeah, here. Exactly. Greenie has lived in New York for like seven years now. <laughs> so apparently uh, the, uh, the the decor is a bit outdated. I'm Field. He's Daniel. She's Stefania. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to be back. I feel like I've been on the road. I don't, I haven't, I think I was in Connecticut for three or four days. Oh, wow. the best two months, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah seriously. So. And Mike Clay, hello, my friend. I'm I'm good. I feel I uh, feel like the air's a little different. I, I feel like you, uh, you have a little bit of bounce. A little yeah, bit of I feel feel feeling like a champion. I don't know about you, Dan. Do you feel I like do. a champion? I do. In spite of my actions, I feel like a champion. <laughs> Mike, more. what are you alluding to when you say all of I'm this? I'm alluding to our ESPN Bowling League Championship, which we won uh, just a few days ago. We're recording this on Thursday. This was Tuesday night, and our pins above replacement team, which features myself. Daniel Dopp, Kyle Sapi, and David Presley, our producer, uh, and we we went into the seventh seed in the playoffs at eight teams. Seven seed, the seventh seed. That's right. And wow, you pulled guys off were three sneaky. with three straight upsets. Right? Three straight, wow. three straight upsets, and won the won the whole thing. Right, a couple, it sounds couple like they need the to, Okay, first of all, sounds like they need to readjust their rankings. Yeah. Also, wow. you guys have a ringer in David Presley, who's not even here to talk about his Accurate. bowling yeah. prowess. Yes, a couple of questions here. At what point did you guys start to believe that you really could win the championship? Like, as was it soon after as, the first upset? Yeah, as soon as we didn't have DJ Gallo and David Presley join the team. That's sort of when I... Which when is, DJ was out and replaced yeah, by... Yeah, exactly, uh, replaced uh, by David. Or DJ, he's not here, he's yeah. just catching straight. Say, well, so it's reason. not his fault. I love yeah. DJ Gallo, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think we kind of peaked at the right time, right? We went into the playoffs thinking we just... Basically, the idea with bowling is you get your handicap right, so you just have to outperform yourself. You just have to keep getting better as the season goes on. And that's how you uh, can can win come playoff time. And that's what we did, right? Yeah, we but just the thing about it, Mike, is like you're saying, like you have a handicap. Didn't you roll like a two seventy seven at one two, point? I had a two sixty six in the playoffs, but that was like I improved as the year went on. He I wasn't was, very good. He's a case yeah. in point of peaking at the right time. Yeah, unless you're yeah. like facing off against Pete Weber, that's like a totally <laughs> awesome score, no matter what your handicap. Yeah, is, just so. one of those days. So it, we just came I, together at the right time and uh, we crushed it. Did you guys celebrate in style? Uh, Who do you think you are? I am. I am. <laughs> we did not do that. Um, we had a couple turkey dances. We did. Uh, that's yep. about it. Turkey we got dances. a trophy. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad this isn't on video or I would make you do that right now. You can check it out. Yeah, really yeah. At Fantasy Focus, there are a few pictures up of us being able with the trophy that we got. It's actually sign, really yeah. exciting. The, this league has you been around since 1999. So it's been like, I, which you would have never guessed it. Yeah, but this so, is like a, a deep running ESPN bowling league. Uh-huh. So we're really pumped, excited to be able to get the trophy because we're going to be able to have it live here in the Focus Studio yes. throughout right. the entire the year, yeah. season. So, so that everyone that. can be reminded. It's, it's like if you think about the things that could happen in your life, <laughs> this championship or the Lions winning the Super Bowl? What would be more consequential to you? It's tough because I was physically a part of this one right here, <laughs> yeah. but... You were the, the leader of the I team. I mean, it's not too late to potentially You were a top four have... player on our team. So. I was, uh, how dare you, Mike Clay? Yeah. I think Daniel was representing the Lions. That's <laughs> wow! During the playoffs, wow, I mean, that's... What is this all about? I mean, we made the playoffs, so that would not be representation. The best part is, I actually played poorly. I played all right last week. This week, I played poorly. But we're going into a singles tournament next week, so it was like mm-hmm. I brought my average down one last time going into what's going to be a good final That's week. That's right. You're uh, you're all about about yourself, right? Uh, just well, the player, and you're just thinking no, about the, the inspiration. Tour. He's the Dan Campbell. Of your that's, team. that's I like, try to be. I try to be. But it was uh, it was a fun long season. It's been going on since the football season, since yeah. like early on in the football season, and uh, and it's over. You know, yeah, bowling it. does make me think of football in this way. So growing up, uh, obviously many of us watched various things before the games began on Sunday mornings. But I think back to like my nostalgic moments are Sunday NFL countdown with Boomer and TJ and mm-hmm. the entire crew, right? And so I used to, you know, you might be, maybe have breakfast there while watching Sunday NFL Countdown, and then you leave the breakfast table to go do something different, and you come back later for lunch, and you turn the TV on, and it's still on ESPN, 
Sunday at like you know one fifteen <laughs> yes. and is bowling. Yeah, yeah of course it is. Like, uh-huh. You know, it's like the one thing that ESPN's like, all right, yeah, we have the rights there. They're probably like, you know, like if you're gonna watch bowling, you're gonna watch bowling no matter what, mm-hmm. right? But we're not gonna put like a premium basketball game opposite, <laughs> you know, like whatever Buccaneers, <laughs> Chiefs, you know, with Brady and Mahomes. Right, so we're yeah, gonna right. like play things smart. So I always think about bowling when I think about football. Enough of that, I think. Maybe. No, enough of that. Let's, let's move on. Sorry, let's get to some news. Well, uh, t- uh, they're still working on logistics for the parade, so we'll, we'll get <laughs> wow. back to that. We don't have those details yet, but yeah. obviously the, the town, the we'll city is working on that. Mike's we will share Mike them as we get them. I'm pretty proud of this. Yeah. Of course I am. I'm, of course I am. We earned it. I mean, I think it was, yeah. it was fun. We're going to go to like the Southington St. Patrick's Day parade next week and be like, this is for us, people. It's got like a float. they got their own float. I will say this. I like David Presley was the most consistent of our bowlers, but Mike, going from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, probably raised his average the most. And that is absolutely. Absolutely. And when you're talking about against the handicap, that was literally what helped push us over the edge. So real, real talk. Mike Clay really did some good stuff. And shout out to Brunswick, too. I don't know if we do it without them. Yes. Yes. Our buddies over at Brunswick sent us a bunch of stuff. It was great. Shout out Brunswick. And uh, too bad for the teams you beat. Not. All right. Let's get to Lamar Jackson. (laughs) And the news there is on Tuesday, the Ravens officially placed what's called the non-exclusive franchise tag. And the reason why we say that is there are two different types of franchise tags. The exclusive means that... Lamar Jackson has no ability to negotiate with other teams. It also costs the Ravens about $13 million more. So the Ravens have a discounted price, but they have put themselves in potentially a bit of a vulnerable spot as Lamar can now negotiate with other teams. And here's how it works. This is going to be a lot of inside baseball throughout the show, so pay attention. Let's say the Atlanta Falcons, as an example, okay. decide to change their minds and be in on Lamar Jackson because they have reportedly said they are not going to pursue Lamar. They could write an offer sheet for Lamar Jackson if he agrees to it. The Baltimore Ravens have five days from the moment it's agreed to to decide to match it. And if they do match it, Lamar Jackson is obligated to play for the Baltimore Ravens on those exact same terms. So if it's five years, $200 million for Atlanta, it's five years, $200 million for Baltimore. He cannot change the contract once he agrees to it with a different team. Beyond that, if the Falcons decide, or if the, excuse me, the Ravens decide to decline this match, this offer sheet, that would mean the Falcons would owe them two first-round picks. So you'd be paying not just the full freight of a contract, but also the full freight of those two first-round picks. Those first-round picks have to be from consecutive years, right? They couldn't be from a team that has two first-round picks this year. Uh, just as I realize that's super inside bit, baseball. But... No, there's actually a bit of ambiguity in yeah. talking to various oh, sources about this, Daniel. But I think the simplest way that it is supposed is that a team would have to have a first-round pick in this year's draft and next year's draft, and that the most likely outcome would be the team's own first-round pick this year and next. And next. Okay. But you're right. People have asked, like, what if the Lions wanted it? Not that they would. What if the no. Lions wanted yeah. it? Or what if the Seahawks wanted it? They would not do it either. Or what about the Texans, right? Um, gray area there, so I'm going to stop short until we actually have to cross that bridge. It seems like there is a lot less interest than uh, people probably forecasted for Lamar Jackson. But let's go around the table. Like, is there anybody that you would like specifically? Daniel, if there was a team, you'd be like, all right, I want Lamar to sign an offer sheet with this team, and I want the Ravens to match, excuse me, to decline this offer sheet. Is there a team that comes to mind, obviously, for you? I, I really do think it's Atlanta for me. I just think it would be fun. And I know that a lot of people have said that it's not like a new thing. But the idea for me, giving him a couple of weapons and Kyle Pitts and Drake London, being able to, to still have – what I feel like is a, a run-first offense or an offense that is going to be able to focus on finding ways to be able to utilize him. I just think it would be fun for me to watch him play in Atlanta. I'd like to see him go to the Raiders, but I know that that is not realistic because they don't have the resources to bring in Lamar Jackson, but clearly they have a hole. They lost to Derek Carr, but mm-hmm. they didn't lose him. I mean, they voluntarily gave him up. Sure. He's now with the Saints, and they have this guy named Defonte Adams. I mean, he hasn't had a receiver like that to play alongside him. They've got a run game because they secured Josh Jacobs. I mean, it's really, to me, this is a fast-paced team. This is a great fit for him. But I already know it's not going to happen. Mike? Yeah, I'll say, uh, I'll, I mean, I think the, the Jets make some sense, right? They're right down the road. and Well, you know, <laughs> well, up the road. They're not, kinda, they got a guy. Yeah, they may have, they may have something, somebody in mind. But, I mean, what we like for Aaron Rodgers, we could like for Lamar Jackson, which is having a guy like Garrett Wilson as your number one and, and uh, having a good defense in place. I mean, that's a team that can uh, – certainly we would all predict them to make the playoffs if Lamar Jackson goes there. That's the that's the position they need to fill. So I think they're interesting um, for sure. But, you know, I think we 
I mean, you can touch on this. We expect him probably back in Baltimore, right? I mean, uh, that's the I, so my very, guess, very likely. My guess is that I think Lamar is going to wind up back in Baltimore. What I think uh, becomes much less clear is, will there be a long-term deal? I don't think mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Will he be there for the team in week one? Uh, because in order to, and again, we're getting so into the weeds here but right now. But this is helpful. I think this is right? what people need to hear, mm-hmm. the so, details. You may recall this from Le'Veon Bell, the year that he got franchise tag. He did not show up. He ended up bypassing the entire year, right? But if Le'Veon, uh, excuse me, if Lamar Jackson decides not to be with the Ravens at the beginning of the season, there is a certain date he'd have to show up by to accrue a season and basically move past year one of the tag. A player can only be tagged three total times in his career, but if Lamar dismisses the entire year, he's back to square one. He'll be back to mm-hmm. year one of the tag. Mm-hmm. So it does behoove him to be there at some point this season. So while I do think that's the end game, I think Washington's the team that I keep coming back to. That that's a good one. Be, mm-hmm. And for some of the reasons you've discussed with the Jets, very good defense. There are some complicating matters for the commanders, not the least of which is that they are potentially up for sale. And that's what I was going to ask about because financially, how can you put together that kind of money when there's all these questions surrounding their financial status as it is? Think about this, just as it, just just hypothetically, if they were to sign Lamar Jackson to a contract that included a $75 million signing bonus and Daniel Snyder is about to sell the team, he'd have to cut that check before he sells the team. Mm. Like, I mean, unless unless this team gets sold really fast from right now, mm-hmm. right? Like you think he just could, you know what? Like whatever. I, I know that the they're going to sell for an, an ungodly amount. That seventy five million dollars. I feel like a oh. drop in the bucket. Well, who's going to just throw that away just but, because? Right, exactly. Just like, yeah. You know what? As a parting gift to you, like right. now, <laughs> that's everybody not has said. Hey, you know, it would yeah. be a legacy altering move for Daniel Snyder. Go out on top, metaphorically, which. I'm not sure that guy yeah. could ever go on. And I don't think it matters. I think if you look at this scenario, I think $75 million matters to him because every dollar matters, and I don't think on principle he would do it. So, so. I agree with you, Spagna, which is why I think basically every team that we've brought up, it's like there's a just as uh, there's just as compelling a counterpoint as there is a point behind mm-hmm. it. But I think Lamar ends up back in Baltimore. I will just say this. Um, until we have a resolution, though, it'll be every year we have a story. It was Kirk Cousins' contract for a while. It was Dak Prescott's contract mm-hmm. for a while. Colin Kaepernick and his, you know, is being signed or not Aaron for Rogers a while, right? Last year, Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. We have a story yeah. every offseason that holds up the rest of the league until there's resolution. I thought you were say we have an Aaron Rodgers year. story every offseason because well, that's including this one. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, you know, we'll take it right there because <laughs> we do have an Aaron Rodgers story. That's right. And <laughs> by the time you're listening to this show, there's a chance, a chance that Aaron Rodgers is no longer a Green Bay Packer. Uh, as of this morning, we're doing this on Tuesday. I'm sorry, Thursday. As of this morning, uh, the Jets are feeling confident uh, that they are going to land Aaron Rodgers. There's optimism, according to Diana Rossini. Um, it seems very clear now that there are two teams Aaron Rodgers could play for next year: the Packers or the Jets, and nobody else. And like this is not like you know teams are just lurking because they're trying to be coy. Like that's really Aaron has it. to be just as interested in them as he is as they are in him, and they've already had a meeting. Um, so let's just let's let's just play this out here for a second because if, if he does get traded by you know whatever tomorrow and people are listening, let's just talk about the idea of Aaron Rodgers with the Jets and Mike. This is not like are the Jets mm-hmm. going to win the Super Bowl? It's would Aaron Rodgers' fantasy value resuscitate? Hypothetically, is Aaron Rodgers back to where he was prior to this season? In your estimation? You know what? I, I think it's a team that's going to try to run a balanced offense, rely on that defense, and they have they do have Garrett Wilson, which. I think almost is a better fit with uh, Lamar Jackson because we've seen him like just force feed to one player. There might not be a lot of balls to go around if he goes there. Yeah. And Rodgers, there will be a lot of balls to go around. There's potential for fantasy value there, but I still feel like they need more right for him. I mean, you're going to have eventually Brees Hall, obviously, once he's fully healthy. We'll see on that. But you have Garrett Wilson. Elijah Moore didn't really pan out last year. We'll see if he comes along. Um, so I, I still think there's more to be learned, but... There's no doubt about it. I mean, Garrett Wilson was already a uh, wide receiver, too, as a rookie. He looks like the real deal. We're going to be upgrading him, and we'll probably rank him as a fringe wide receiver one if Rodgers lands there. Which he might be there anyways, right? Because the Jets are going to find some sort of solution at quarterback if it's not Aaron Rodgers. Who's they're the fallback? Gonna... Who's that? Jimmy Garoppolo? Or you know, there are players like Jimmy Garoppolo. I, mean, I, think, I think Ryan Tannehill is a possible trade Maybe, candidate yeah. for somebody. I, 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 It's a fair question to ask, like, who? I don't know who, but I can tell you that Woody Johnson is not going to go into next season. That's their team owner with Zach Wilson as a starter. It's just oh, not yeah. happen. I mean, the team obviously would. I mean, it'd be Mike White before. Yeah, I was going to say. Don't, don't disrespect Mike sure. White. I mean, hmm. yeah. <laughs> well, I think 
there's a much healthier conversation about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets if it actually happens yeah. because there are some things we don't know. You know, if this deal gets done, they're going to have to trade a lot, right? It's mm-hmm. not going to be like Aaron Rodgers for a six-round pick or something. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Aaron Rodgers for, I would think, at least pick 13. But, like, if you're Green Bay, you're giving away Aaron Rodgers. And like, don't they take a big cap hit? It is a big, 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 big amount of money. For the I mean, there's got to, to be bad like feelings that. if this happens after everything oh, yeah. they went through to put him back in a position where he would be happy to come to them yeah. last year. This it's safe feels... to say that both sides feel ready to move on. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I get that, but there's still got to be oh, some yeah. bad feelings left over from this is, was negotiated based on what you wanted last year, and now all of a sudden, let, let me be clear: you've made it like, so the, uncomfortable for us that here's a fact of the matter: if Aaron Rodgers either retires or gets traded, he royally screwed the Packers over mm-hmm. as far as like the terms of the contract. Right. Like mm-hmm. maybe "screwed over" is the wrong word, but like. He completely owned them in that right. negotiation. This is what happens. Completely dominated them. Like, absolutely got exactly what. What's the old expression? You can't have your cake and eat it too. If he gets traded, he's about to have his cake and eat it too. Because the Packers are not totally screwed, but they're going to be in a heap of pain. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and if Jordan Love's really good, it might not matter. But who has any idea on that one? So, yes. Right. It's still um, costly. I think it's interesting yeah. in how it'll be. Uh, right. I was going to say, like, how it's going to leave his mark in Green Bay. The Packers, I'm sure, are going to start by saying, hey, two first-round picks, or, like, you want to trade us a first-round pick? We want Elijah Moore, too. Yeah. Right? As an mm-hmm. example. Yeah. Right, right, for right, sure. right, right. Good young That's pieces. what I was thinking about, yeah. yeah. Um, don't be surprised if, you know, the negotiations in this deal are just as complicated from what the Packers want as opposed to what the Jets are looking for in this Aaron Rodgers package. Mm-hmm. And we saw that last year, by the way, with Russell Wilson, yeah, totally. uh, with yeah. Noah Fant Noah was Fant in that deal. Yep. He was one of the better young tight ends in the league. Shelby Harris as well yep. was a pretty really important defensive yeah. tackle for Seattle yeah. last year. Totally. So Drew Locke, too. Don't forget him. <laughs> Drew Locke. Oh, yeah. I forgot Drew. about him. Yeah, Seattle. Don't, don't be surprised. Cut to Seattle if... being like, we're okay with it now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, Drew Locke is a free agent. Yeah. I can't wait to see what happens there. I think his market might be slightly better than people realize. <laughs> uh, speaking of New York, Stefania, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley are staying in New York. They beat the buzzer. Yeah. Boy, came down to the wire. Daniel Jones I was on a plane. Barkley franchise. Yeah. Watching uh, television. Yeah. Watching that because I was trying to put together something for our, our piece that came out today about all the free agency prospects and what to look for. Yeah. And injury concerns was... Not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There weren't a lot of big name players just because this free agency market doesn't have a lot outside of the top running backs. And the running backs that we were talking about all got franchise tagged because Tony Pollard, who clearly had a big injury at the end of his season, staying with Dallas on the franchise tag. Josh Jacobs staying with the Raiders. Jacobs ended strong, but he has had injuries in the past. And then, of course, Saquon Barkley, who had a phenomenal season, couldn't be happier for him for the way this season went. But when you're thinking about a player in free agency, if he were going to be a free agent and potentially shopped around, even though we thought the Giants were going to keep him, if he was potentially going to be shopped around, people would be talking about that injury history of his because he's missed so much time and he's a running back, a position that is devalued, I believe, because of the injury risk. So that tag at the 11th hour just spared me having to talk about that or write about it but it also allowed him I think they're in a good place don't you with the Giants are happy with what they got he's there he has expressed wanting to stay with the Giants it'll be curious to see what deal comes out of this sounds like they're working on something yeah I think he'll be in a good place once they get a deal done I think he's like he understands it's a business but I think he would have been just fine if Daniel Jones got the tag oh yeah Saquon had the chance to negotiate a long-term deal at some point between now and Wednesday. There's, he just has less leverage, right? If right. the Giants don't like the terms of the deal, they can say, fine, we're going to pay you $10.9 bucks this year, and we'll do this again next offseason and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But um, It feels like, I do think, just you know, from talking to him last year at training camp and sort of the perspective, I do think there's been a lot of learning that has happened. And I think if you look around, he looks around and you see some of the top running backs who got big contracts where then people have questioned about the wiseness of the contract, Ezekiel it. And you look at, if he was going into that, knowing the injury history has, I'm sure he's smart enough to realize that a solid deal with the Giants might be his best option. And I would add this to that conversation. We all want the guys to get as much as they can. Sure. Mm -hmm. Saquon's one of those rare guys, because of just how dynamic and electric he is and marketable he is, being a New York Giant might mean more to Saquon Barkley's value than other teams, there are other players in that. Heck, his quarterback, Daniel Jones, obviously 
very, very rich. He won't have to worry about marketing money. Daniel Jones is not nearly as magnetic of a personality as, as Saquon Barkley is, right? Like Saquon being a a prominent figure in the biggest media market in the world has value, has real value. Mm-hmm. There's there's sponsorships everywhere. There's yet, events. Mm-hmm. There's so much. He can make millions extra per year being on a Nike, or I, don't, I, I think it might be Adidas, a billboard <laughs> right. in, in Times Square, right? Like that means something to him that while there are wonderful places to play that aren't New York, right? Like the reality is that if you're playing in Indianapolis, it's not the same sort of, you know, it's not the same kind of city media market as it is uh, in New York. So Plus, there's something to be said, I think, too, for the stuff that is uh, qualitative, right? You're on a team that's on a rise, but yeah. the coach that has brought this team forward, and there there's a lot of excitement and momentum behind that. Mm-hmm. And you, if you go to an uncertain spot, just because you get a, a few more, mil- I mean, because it's not going to be. A monstrosity in terms of difference, I don't think, and what he would get somewhere else. I agree with you on that. Can I ask one real quick question? Sure. And we don't really have it on our note, but Stefania mentioned Tony Pollard, and I think uh, my buddy Kurt had mentioned this in one of our group chats. Don't the Cowboys have like almost $30 million in cap space tied up to two running backs? And is that usually a good idea in how to construct a team? $27 million right now for Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott. Um, It's Thursday, 125 Eastern time. I'd be surprised if by Thursday of next week, Zeke's contract still counts for $17 million. What it is now. But remember, though, Mike McCarthy is now going to be the play caller, and he wants to score less, okay? They want to run more right. and score less, <laughs> less, settle for more field goals, and rest the defense. So, And that's – I'm not exaggerating. Like That's what that essentially was. I think was Zeke, another one of those guys, by the way, this is another example of where I do think being a Dallas Cowboy has some real value to it, right? And Zeke mm-hmm. Elliott's popularity is grander in Dallas than it would be if you were playing in, again, make up a different market that's not the Dallas Cowboys. Indy is a great star. example. Like, keep, you know, I, feel like he, I love Indy so much. My people out there from Indy. We no, love you. We don't want you to think it's, it's personal. Not a slam on Jacksonville, Indy, right? Name yeah. a smaller market than mm-hmm. Dallas, yeah. right? It's just the way the world works. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better with the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country. There's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S A V E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, all right, so let's move to the Saints. Uh, they have signed Derek Carr, Daniel, and... He had a bunch of suitors, but he ends up with New Orleans. Yeah. I think a lot of people have been gravitating towards, hey, this is maybe the move that puts them at the front of the NFC South, but more importantly for right now, let's talk fantasy football. Derek Carr has never really reached fantasy football stardom. We thought the stars had aligned last year for that to happen. Does that mean that we are back to where we kind of always have been for Derek Carr? Nice bye week fill-in? Kind of feels that way, right? I, I look at this team and everything that you just talked about with Derek Carr. Only one season over four. 4,200 passing yards, right? He's played for a while. Only one season with more than 30 30 passing touchdowns. And 30 is a fair amount, but like he just sort of lives in the middle, it feels like. You want to talk about 3,500, you know, maybe 4,000 passing yards with you know 25 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him in this offense because there'll be more consistency for all of those skill position players, except for Taysom Hill. I'm so sorry, Stefania. But... Um, other than that, I, like I really am excited to be able to see him. Mm-hmm. I just don't expect, like you're saying, he's going to be a bi-week fill-in for me. He's not going to be a guy that comes in that I'm targeting in drafts. He's he, looking for someone when I need a guy. I'm going to try and find him on the waiver wire. Or yeah, like a desperation bi-week fill-in. He's not even that good at, at that, right? He's no, been, he really check is. Check this out. I, I think this would shock a lot of people. He has finished 19th or worse in fantasy points per game at quarterback in eight of his nine seasons. That's terrible. He has zero <laughs> top tens. He has never been a top 10 fantasy quarterback. But that being said, good news for Chris Olave. I think we're going to feel much better about these second-year quarterbacks with improved quarterback situations. That certainly applies to Chris Olave, who was terrific as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, it's all question marks behind him. It we'll is. see. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Michael Thomas, it seems unlikely to be there. We'll see if they find a way to work Things that are out. shifting there a little bit. 
Yeah, with the, with the quarterback change. Retaining him. But right. they've got some work to do on that front. So of course, yeah. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, it's not like Derek Carr is going somewhere that has, you know, five can't-miss targets around him, and all of a sudden we're saying just by the, you know, the supporting cast is going to be in the best spot of his career. Were you surprised? No, because the other two, so the two other teams were courting him, Carolina and the mm-hmm. Jets. With the Jets, I think their eyes were, A, fixated on Derek, on, on Aaron Rodgers, and B, if you're Derek Carr who's won zero playoff games as a starter, and you want to go and you want to win a playoff game this year, which path has less resistance? Mm. NFC South. Playing in the division mm-hmm. that has Kyle Trask and P.J. Walker as starting quarterbacks right now with Desmond Ritter, or the division that has Josh Allen and Tua Tungavailoa and Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. You know, guys that have each, I guess Tua hasn't been to the playoffs as a starter, but you know Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Mac Jones already been to the playoffs once. Tua was playing amazing football last year. Like, I think I'd rather... Go to the NFC South and feel. And by the way, the NFC as a whole, like who's the if Aaron Rodgers gets traded, who's the best quarterback not named Jalen Hurts in the NFC? In the NFC, oh man, not is it Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff? Jared I mean, I'm Jones. trying to unblock me. So probably is the answer. Well, it's Sarah Carr. I mean, I, I want him to unblock me, so I'm going to go Derek <laughs> yeah. Carr for sure. It's probably Dak. Right? It probably it's is probably Dak. Yeah. Dak. Yeah. Dak also yeah. tied for the league lead interceptions last year, right? So like. Meanwhile, in the AFC, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, oh, course, Herbert, yeah. Lamar Jackson, right? Like, it's a ridiculous list in that mm-hmm. conference. And that's based off guys that play well last year. What if you know, Trevor Lawrence on the come up? What if Deshaun Watson looks like himself this year? Like, it's just a whole – the chemical imbalance of the NFL right now is real. I love um, being an NFC fan. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. You feel like you have a chance every Yeah, Lions. Justin Fields, yeah. obviously. I know. And San Francisco, too. we don't know. <laughs> Lions going to be the uh, divisional favorite next year. I think. Yeah, that's Minnesota's right. Minnesota right has now, some cap issues. Yeah. They're yeah. moving some, some personnel. Aaron. Eric Kendrick's gone, oh. so uh, I think your Lions on the upswing. A- a- We're going to talk tight ends in just a little bit. Let's wrap up with some combine thoughts, and I'll start there. Were you the combine? Yeah, we can cross paths, but I know because I was in, in, the, in the background doing uh, my work. <laughs> but yeah, I was there for working. I was there for five days. Okay, yeah, you yeah. were you were. Now, Field was probably much more in front of a camera somewhere. Just, you know, I lost my voice by the end of it. I'll leave it at that. Um, but I'll just, you know, a couple of things that stood out from the combine that might have like fantasy relevance is uh, real chance that B. John Robinson has uh, the best case for instant fantasy impact mm-hmm. since Saquon Barkley, which oh, we kind of sure, knew that yeah. one. Um, he's spectacular. He's, and we can debate the merits of using a first round pick in real, the real NFL draft. Mm-hmm on a running back, but if he goes in the top 15 picks, it's probably to a team that really needs running back help, and he would be an absolute legend Yeah, coming out of the gates here. No doubt about it. He'll be a he'll likely be an RB one in season long. The he he, he is gets the, drafted. right now. Like if you were doing your rookie draft right now, you're picking him first overall, and it's not even debatable. I mean, I think if you're in super flex, maybe you're thinking about it for a second, but you're still probably taking him number one. So, amazing. And, and that you know we'll get more into this as the uh, the off season goes on, yep. but running backs that are picked in the first round over the past decade or, or so are feature backs, yeah. and they're really good from a fantasy perspective right out of the gate. So there's no doubt he'll go somewhere and be a feature back right away, uh, and there'll be a lot of hype that goes along with that. There is not a wide receiver though that I'm saying right now I can absolutely guarantee you is going to be a you know fantasy rock star as a rookie. Mm-hmm. Not because there aren't good players, but there are good players. But there's no Jamar Chase, there's no Justin Jefferson coming out. Um, and we, I, I just have no idea how they're going to be ordered, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a compelling case for Jackson Smith and Jigbat of Ohio State mm-hmm. as the best receiver, or say Flowers, or Quinton Johnston. There are a yeah. bunch of good receivers. I don't think there's that special can't miss talent that we say, all right, you know what? The first team that really needs wide receiver help, put it in pen. That's where that player is going to. So, uh, wide receiver classes, you're going to be very, very. I think I think it's going to be a more pedestrian group than recent years. But the most important position in football and the most compelling one in this year's draft class by far is the quarterback spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And out of the four that are going to go in the first round that we think is certain, we have C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, Bryce Young from Alabama, Will Levis from Kentucky, also from nearby Middletown, Connecticut, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and, of course, Anthony Richardson from Florida. There's no doubt which one of those guys is the highest fantasy ceiling. It's uh-huh. Anthony Richardson. Who uh-huh. is, I mean. But the key word is ceiling there. Yeah. Ceiling, uh, yes. We'll explain is, why. Yes, we will. Uh, he absolutely shredded the combine. It was a historic shredded. performance. 4.4340 yeah. at 244 pounds. I mean, that's Unbelievable. like Cam Newton size yeah. no, he, for he's, comparison. Like, he's, he is he's a, a big Cam boy. Newton, Josh Allen yep. level athlete at that size. Uh, but, Mike, this guy yeah. probably needs at least a year. Mm-hmm. And college football fans, I, I, I have had this conversation 50 times in the past month and a half since the regular season ended. 
my college football fan buddies who are like, I watched that guy at Florida and he was terrible. Mm-hmm. You really expect him to go in the first round of the NFL draft? You yes. juxtapose that with the people <laughs> that have seen the singular traits and his best of plays, and they're like, how could you possibly not take this guy in the first round? It's a very yeah. fascinating evaluation. And those people that have watched him and saw some of his struggles, only they didn't see him much. He has 13 career starts, 13, right? So he yeah. is the That's definition of raw. Stuff. Yeah, yeah no, no doubt about it. So um, his collegiate efficiency as a passer is atrocious, but we've seen that from guys that just get better in the pros. Um, and I think, again, you've, you're going to hear this comp a lot. The easy comp is Josh Allen in that regard, right? His collegiate efficiency off-target rates, interceptions, just completion percentage they were terrible and he kind of owned that when he came into the nfl and he worked on his footwork and he obviously look what he is today so uh yeah richardson obviously has a massive ceiling he's going to do a ton with his legs no matter what so he has a high floor from a fantasy perspective and if he just becomes an average nfl passer he's going to be a fantasy superstar i mean there's there's no question about it uh you could easily make the case that he is qb1 from a dynasty rookie per, uh point of view yeah, there's no totally. doubt about that mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of if you buy into him improving as a passer in the NFL. Because obviously, if he doesn't and he he's an inaccurate thrower, right. he's not going to last. So it's just you have to make that decision when you're when you're on the clock. There's a part of me that feel, you talk about Josh Allen being the upside, right? Like the ceiling of what his comp could yeah. be. Is Jamarcus Russell the other side of it, where it's like he just lit the combine on fire and like there's not a whole lot to be able, like mm-hmm. Jamarcus Russell was literally that physical like specimen that can just do mm-hmm. everything and it made everyone be like no, no no we can look over all the rest of it because of these traits we can help teach that and like is that the other side of it? So the the reason why for fantasy Richardson has a much higher floor than than Russell is like Jamarcus Russell was like six six. He was two hundred and fifty five, yeah. two hundred and sixty pounds. He wasn't, he wasn't nimble, uh, yeah. like he Anthony was, Richardson. But he looked like you go back to some of the big quarterbacks in recent vintage, right? I mean, Ryan Leaf was famously one of them. Drew Bledsoe, massive six foot six frame, <laughs> right? Like some of these guys that were just absolute. You know, they were like Greek gods back there. Um, but so he's yeah. not quite as big of a guy. More. More quickness, more all of that. Yeah, kind of no, stuff. he's he's more athletically. He's yeah, athletic. much closer to. I, I hate when we compare guys to uh, elite players, um, in some ways, but athletically, he is in the conversation with Cam Newton. Cam Newton, though, like, I I see the comps. You know, he he has. You know, he's a better passer than Cam Newton. Or I'm like, did you? Do we not? Remember? Like, Cam Newton had like maybe the single greatest college football season ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, go back and he dragged Auburn. Who listen? They're Auburn. They've got some players. He dragged. An okay Auburn team to an undefeated national championship. Mm-hmm. Like Cam um, has made himself an easy target in some ways, and his obviously his career did not, assuming it's over, did not end in the most spectacular fashion. But that dude was absolutely. I mean, there's not even a word for him at the peak of both his college and pro career. But Richardson, you know, I, I, if you told me right now to peg where he goes. You could tell me he goes 29, and you could tell me he goes ninth. You could tell me he goes third, and I would believe all three. You think there's a chance he goes first overall? Do you think someone? I do not think so. I don't no. think I, I don't think so either. But you know, because I've heard the. I do not think so. I think there's the a bigger chance he goes first overall than 29th, though. I think enough teams would be mesmerized would, by that talent in the middle of the draft. I would even. think 29 is more likely than one. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's the, the problem. Is, again, I've I've talked to people that have, and not just the college football fans who are like, "Have you watched him?" But people who have, who've studied him are just like, dude. How much time do you think I have to wait around here? Right, that's like, what I, I was get just fired every say. two years. The people one, who have those, but a lot of people have those first round picks are looking for something that's going to make a difference right now. And if you're buying into Anthony Richardson as somebody that you're going to mold into the quarterback that you want, you may not have the patience or the draft capital to expend a number one pick. It, yeah, it, it totally screams Detroit or Seattle with one of their picks mm-hmm. because both of them have a very solid veteran in place. They also. Like Pete Carroll. Oh, is, I can see Pete Carroll would love this. Oh, look, this is a perfect this, right? Pete Carroll pick. Richardson and DK Metcalf out yeah, there together. I, I mean, so this is, yeah. And then, uh-huh. and then Detroit, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you've got Jared Goff obviously there. Um, but financially, there are sort of outs from Jared Goff's deal after this year. And then beyond that, you're a coach that's got some cachet now, right? Mm-hmm. Dan Campbell, they're not going to fire Dan Campbell next season. No. I can't no. imagine, right? So no uh, they've got the chance to wait. And while we always talk about these quarterbacks and having to wait like a full year on them, you could kind of thread the need a little bit with Anthony Richardson. He could provide sort of like what Lamar Jackson did until he became a starter in his rookie year, where it was like before he became the starter, 
they'd play him like 10, 15 right. snaps a game, right? Like Anthony Richardson, he could be your your goal line package specialist. He Think about be Ben your, Johnson using Anthony Richardson totally. with that Lions offense. Even some mm-hmm. of the stuff like, you know, like sometimes Browns fans got disappointed by it, right? But like even when Deshaun Watson was playing, they had a few snaps a game for Jacoby Brissett. Mm-hmm. Fourth, you know, short yardage stuff, like – Jalen Hurts is a rookie, right? Like, there are some really intriguing ways that you can utilize a guy who, even if he's not ready to be a full-time starter, could, the second he steps on the field, be the best athlete. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, I mean, the Eagles-Jalen Hurts quarterback sneak play could be made illegal at some point, but if it's not, that'd be a good fit for sure to him to check in. Eagles might just grab him just for that, right? (laughs) It's Uh, very (laughs) interesting. I would just say, I think uh, for fantasy purposes, going back to that, just his running ability you know, we talk about there's more quarterbacks who are mobile now than not because mm-hmm. I think it's being sought after as a trait to be multidimensional. But you got to watch him run. And if you watch him run and his ability to throw on the run, and granted, he's a work in progress, but he has had some amazing escapes. If you go back and watch some of the plays that he made, some of his best plays were when he was on the move. And if I'm a team, I'm looking at that. There's definitely coach-up potential there. Um, I also found this stat interesting from our SIG posting this morning, Stats and Information Group. Highest career yards per rush excluding sacks in the FBS since 2014. He ranks fourth overall right behind Lamar Jackson. About that. So, yeah. you know, he, he he is that guy, and he could be very exciting for fantasy in a dynasty league. Trust me, mm-hmm. as somebody who needs to rebuild their roster entirely, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at him. That's a college football quirk, by the way. People probably don't know that. Yeah. A quarterback loses rushing yards for sack yardage. Yep. So if you have you take mm-hmm. three sacks for 21 yards over the course of the game, but you also rush for 50 yards, the box score says you ran for 29. 29. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? That yeah. is weird. So uh, I... I I pull all the sack numbers out. Like I already wrote 111 capsules for all of the players oh, who are at the combine. Oh, of course, course you did. And while you were while you were winning your boxing, well, I, well, I, boxing I, I, during bowling, bowling during bowling, bowling, I was writing these. But I, I remove all of the sack numbers, so we actually have an idea what they're actually bringing to the table. That's looking off, they is the best. And if that you, guy, I mean, this is why people his projections are so accurate because he thinks. Of He's well, the best. They're, they're ready to go. So Very they're best. filed, and they'll be up on the site soon. Um, by the way, uh. Speaking, uh, we mentioned the other three positions, right? So we're probably looking at like four wide receivers in the first round, probably one running back, yeah. four quarterbacks for sure. Um, and the tight end could have four as well. They got three or four tight ends. I mean, this is a really good tight end class and could shake up yeah. fantasy in the next couple of years. But so. it's different in the sense like there's not anything close to a Kyle Pitts. There are guys yeah, who that's correct. Yeah. the top yeah, yeah, 15 yeah. or so, but there's no, like Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, yeah. Luke Kincaid, from Oregon yeah. State, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, are all good players. None of them, though, like, you know, top five percentile for their athletic you know profile the position so um, you're saying they will be good then in fantasy yeah. unlike kyle pitts no, is that yeah, what you're yeah that's, that's, that's a good point we're yeah. gonna talk about him shortly let's breeze right to it shall we can i tell one real quick story field oh, yeah, Yates? Yeah, i want to wait yeah. for this uh i the last couple days i feel like i've been away from you guys for forever but it really hasn't been that long yeah um i went out with my buddies emery on tour thursday friday saturday sunday so i flew out to columbus to meet up with them and, and so just to do some stuff look at you. Yeah. it was a fantasy? ton of fun it uh-huh. was great um and while i was in we were in Philadelphia. We played, uh, we, they played an Irish cultural center and I had set up and was doing merch for them or anything like that. And this guy, happened a couple of times, but this guy came in and I told him like where everything was at and as I was doing. And he was like, you look familiar. Do I, do I know you from something? And I was like, the thing is just like, do you play fantasy football? It's just like the, the question. And he was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're that. From ESPN, right? Oh my gosh. And I forget his name. I feel bad. He was like, my name is Mark. He was, you're Kyle, right? <laughs> and I was like, no, nope. he's thirsty, Kyle. Talk about getting knocked down a peg where you get recognized for a second, and then you realize, wow, Kyle. Kyle is definitely big in the Philadelphia area. I want to say that right now. So Kyle yeah. getting a lot of a lot of love in Philadelphia. I'm sure he gets confused for Daniel all the time. Like, yeah, you're Daniel. I was like, no, right? my, my name's Daniel, yeah. and I was like, Kyle's our researcher. He's awesome. Like, he's obviously incredible. He's like, then, oh yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, yeah. I meant. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought it was great that like you couldn't find Kyle and I share like one thing in common. We're both like really pale. <laughs> and other than that, like we're basically different people all the way. Our Venn diagrams are quite small. So it's just really cute to be Aww. able to I think that Kyle gets I'd some some love yeah. in Philadelphia. I would love yeah. if at least it was Kyle and not somebody else from this podcast. Former yeah, member of this true. podcast. Luckily, or... I have not been mistaken for any of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's good. Unluckily that's for us, we have not been mistaken. I do. For you. It, it's yeah, that's funny right. though. When I'm in an airport, like I was, I was out on assignment in Charlotte. Just flew back 
yesterday, I think, or the day before, I can't remember. But I was coming through the airport and talking to my producer, and I couldn't have looked more a slob, right? You know, Please. Yeah. not possible. Already alive. And this yeah. guy walks by and he goes, Starfania. And I'm like, oh no. Dang it. Like, I, <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> So like, I was um, like, oh, and I kind of did that eye roll, and I didn't mean it like an eye roll to him. No. I meant like, oh. Oh, he's never uh, listened to the pod again. No, she yeah. like, was mean to I'm me. I'm a huge, huge fan like, of the podcast, um, and we that? appreciate all of you out there who listen. <laughs> oh, man, so much. There's so. that section in People Magazine at the front of it where it's like called like Star Tracks, maybe, where it shows celebrities like, out and about. <laughs> Celebs are just like us. Right? And it, it always <laughs> cracks me up, right? It's like- <laughs> ben Affleck and Jennifer and uh, Jennifer Lopez out in Los Angeles on an 87 degree day, and then you see them walking together, and it's like Ben Affleck has like a trench coat, <laughs> and like a Kangol hat pulled <laughs> all the way down his face, sunglasses, like you know, like um, like like UGG boots on, and J Lo, you can see like you know one square inch of their body, and it's like yeah, there's like some 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 photographer was like oh, oh J Lo and them. Ben totally get it right yeah. like. That's so funny, oh, man. Uh, like, yeah. We're not like celebrities. I guess. No. It's cool, though, being able to li- just to have people come up and be like, hey, we listen to the podcast. We like being able it. to meet course, anybody yeah. that lets us into their lives for any amount of time. We don't take that for granted. That's a huge Ooh. honor. So super yeah, awesome man. to meet people. Uh, we mentioned there's a strong tight end class in the draft. Let's talk a little bit of veteran tight ends. And we're going to do our five at the top. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to waste too much time with number one. It's Travis Kelsey for if you don't know reason, if you don't know why Travis Kelsey is the best <laughs> tight end all the in fantasy, because he hosted uh, Saturday Night Live. This is your first time on the show, apparently. <laughs> You've never played fantasy football before, and if that's the case, by the way, welcome. We love having you here. Just, I will just ask this, and Stefan, you get the honors of answering this. How high are you? Ta- would you take Travis Kelsey this year? Uh, we were talking before the pod, and I was saying, wasn't I one of the people who said at the end that I'm trading up for Travis Kelsey? That was my lesson learned from yeah. this season because I got business. so hurt by the tight end position in redraft leagues, in dynasty league for sure. Thank you, Kyle Pitts. So I was like, Travis Kelsey is worth the price of admission to me. Now, that being said, it still depends on where I would draft in the first round, but I would be willing to pay first round draft capital for Travis Kelsey because I think when you look at total points scored, he's that much of a difference maker. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but oh, yeah. Thank you, Thirsty Kyle, speaking of you. Scored 100.9 mm-hmm. more points than any other tight end. And what that means to me, sometimes we look at point differentials and they're like 20 or 30 points. And a lot of that could have come in just a couple of games. Yeah. Travis Kelsey could win you the week, mm-hmm. any single week. And that right there is my my rationale. That and he still scores touchdowns. Maybe not as many this year, but still scores touchdowns. If there was any player at any position that scored that was number one and scored a hundred more points than number two, like how do you justify the idea of Travis Kelsey being that much better than everybody else? It feels yep. like it has to propel him into that. But first we have seen category. that. We've seen that with running backs like Christian McCaffrey. We've seen They're it with Cooper backs. Cup at wide receiver. I'm just saying my point being that those guys in next year come back to earth to some extent, right? So, so are you Travis buying Kelsey at the peak? Are you going to buy him at his peak in a draft Maybe. and take him at the top five pick? Or are you going to say, all right, you know, he's probably really worth, he's going to come back to earth to some extent. He's 34 now. He's coming off essentially a career year. And look, he's been a top two tight end seven straight years. I'm not saying he's going to plummet, right? But he, you know, he gave you top five value last year. Does that mean he's going to do it this year? Or he'll be top 15 player. So yeah, I, I don't know what if I take him top five. We will also see how the Chiefs offseason unfolds, right? Yeah. Like how many receivers do they retain from their free agents? How many do they add, if any? Do they draft any? Um, There's something, noting, if though, you, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but if you listen, there was an ESPN Daily podcast. Uh, shout out to the ESPN Daily pod, which is so phenomenal. You all should subscribe to it in addition to ours. And uh, they were talking about Travis Kelsey and sort of his history, the evolution of Travis Kelsey going from, you know, how he converted from quarterback in college, sort of his learning, you know, he almost didn't get to play. Um, And then his connection with Patrick Mahomes. And sort of Mm -hmm. he had that when he was a college player with his quarterback. And just because he understands the quarterback position, their ability to communicate, like there's a connection there that – is so important for Patrick Mahomes that I don't think that's not going to change. Right. And so he always becomes a safety valve an outlet receiver for him. In addition to being this big physical presence and the play scripting from Andy Reid somehow always helps Travis Kelsey to get open as well. So I think when I look at those things, they're not changing and so much of his value comes in the red zone I don't need him to put up tons of yards after the catch like some of the other tight ends. But he still so. will. Uh, we don't yeah, have to labor too much more with Travis Kelsey. He rules. Let's go to number two here on the list. Mark Andrews, Daniel, and 
Mike was talking about how you could be buying Travis Kelsey at the peak. You could be buying Mark Andrews at the crater next year because yep. he was, uh, in the second half of the season, bad. Really bad. Really mm-hmm. bad. And it didn't feel, I mean, it, you got to a point with Mark Andrews where you were starting him because he was Mark Andrews, not because you wanted to start him, yeah. right? And, and that doesn't feel good. So heading into this year, I want to know an offseason where Lamar Jackson comes back and things feel good within this Ravens organization because he's still got to have somebody throwing him the football. I was yep. going to say, when Lamar Jackson was out, it cratered he was, Mark Andrews. He, his so fantasy that is value. important. He yeah. had a 29% target share in both situations, in both splits, with Lamar and without. And he fell from second in fantasy points per game to 17th oh without. So a huge yeah. difference in those five games without Lamar. He wasn't fully healthy. Yeah. He missed some time in there as well. But look, he's been top five in points per game, four straight seasons. He's set, what, six years younger than Travis Kelsey. He's one of the best players in the league. As long as they have a good quarterback, it's probably going to be Lamar Jackson. We're going to feel good about him. He'll still be a top two fantasy tight end. And Mike, it's tricky from there and on out because mm-hmm. George yeah. Kittle is an amazing player. I think just in terms of like overall ability, the only player that can be mentioned in the same breath as Travis Kelsey is George Kittle. But a lot of that value is not just catching passes. It's doing things like blocking and the dirty yes. work. That being said, Mike, uh, he had 11 touchdowns last year. You bind that tra- George Kittle can have a prominent role with whoever is quarterback next uh, year. I, I'm not sure because I did look at the nine full games with the big four. Yep. And you know, it was Kittle, of course. Christian McCaffrey was there. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. His target share fell all the way to 16%. That's 4.2 targets per game. That is not enough. He averaged a little over 10 fantasy points per game. That would have been tight end eight for the season. So... I'm a little nervous about ranking him this high. He is uh, in his past. He has been a little bit uh, volatile and the touchdown rate that he had last year, his touchdown rate, 11 touchdowns to your point, which is about double his expected touchdown total. His touchdown rate was triple his previous career touchdown rate. That tells me red flag. The touchdowns probably coming down next season, especially with all these uh, other skill guys around him. He did a lot of his damage when someone was injured, like Debo was out or Christian McCaffrey wasn't there. And, I don't know if we need to worry about durability at all, Stefania, but he has only played one full season. That was 2018. Yeah, I think his physical play contributes to that. Um, George Kittle goes 110% if you've ever watched him. And sure does. I think that that you know his willingness to absorb the hits and the way he blocks is is part of why they love him and mm-hmm. why he's it for the risk. Yeah. I'm kind you of have to close your eyes once you get past yeah. Travis Kelsey and just yeah. start the guy. Right? Like, you don't have a choice. I'm, I'm a li- I actually would have had TJ Hawkinson above yeah, George Kittle. Yeah, I could Kittle. buy that. Um, but uh, like they're both right there, three and four yeah, for me. Four. Okay, so tell uh, me the major case for me. Will. Part of the reason for me is understanding the floor that it felt like he gave to those Vikings, right? Six catches, 60 catches in his 10 games with Minnesota. So he's averaging six catches a game, yep. just 8.6 yards per catch. Though. Okay, so you're yes. talking about, about the, 50, the yeah. 50 receiving yards, six catches a game without getting in the end zone. So he's giving you a floor, give or take-ish, mm-hmm. of 11 fantasy points at the tight end position before you get any touchdowns added into that conversation. I think that like he really added that. I understand it is a more of a dump-off play, but 11 fantasy points as what feels like, feels like the floor for TJ Hawkinson. I, I love that. Yeah, I think I will end up with him third. Um, I, I, I was doing a little work last night kind of prepping for this. Check this out. The stat. In 47 games with the Lions, he had seven games with double-digit targets. With the Vikings, he played 10 full games. He had five of them. Wow. They were featuring him. His target share went way up. Way up. He was averaging almost 10 targets a game in this offense. And uh, we, I'll be surprised at this point if Adam Thielen is on that team. We'll see how they address that spot. K.J. Osborne could potentially play a larger role. Lifesaver. Yeah. Um, yeah shout they, out to K.J. Osborne. Yeah, yep. uh, for sure. And, and they may draft someone. We'll see. Um, but there's a path here for Hawkinson to have a, a big offensive role, even with Justin Jefferson there. And we know that offense will be pretty good. Kirk Cousins at the very minimum, gets the ball to the playmakers, right? Yep. He's done that for Jefferson. He did it for Hawkinson last year. He's done it for Adam Thielen. So uh, feeling optimistic about Hawkinson for next season. And news from Adam Schefter a couple hours ago that Adam Thielen's, and you were alluding to this, Mike, but right. Adam Thielen's future in Minnesota is very much on shaky ground. Sounds like he'll be playing elsewhere next season. He's 32 now, had 706 yards last year. I'll mention the last one here, Dallas Goddard. I think you could make a case for a handful of other guys here. You could make mm-hmm. the case for Evan Ingram. You could make the case for... Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller bounce back. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz. We'll see where he lands. Where he ends up. Yeah. A lot of players that I think fit in that number five conversation. Is it the upside for Dallas Goddard as he plays in an offense that A is super aggressive, throws the ball all over the yard? Uh, the downside is that he's got two alpha wide receivers on the roster, probably never going to be uh, as likely to be the team's leading receiver as Kelsey and Andrews certainly would be. And 
you know, even Hawkinson has a real chance to be the number two pass catcher every single year for Minnesota for as long mm-hmm. as he's there. And I think Dalton Schultz is interesting to me because mm-hmm. he's a free agent. Yep. And I, I, I am really curious to see where he money. lands because he, to me, is one of the best tight ends out there. And he looked great although in Carolina. He str- yeah, mm-hmm. although he struggled with the um, PCL sprain kind of midseason, and his numbers for this season weren't as large as expected, he finished really strong, looked great in the playoffs. So I like Dalton Schultz, uh, depending on where he lands. Okay, so that is our tight end talk for the day. Uh, we are going to be back at some point next week. It's free agency. We're still figuring out our plans. Like, be patient with us. There's a reason why the <laughs> podcast automatically upload to your feed because mm-hmm. you might get more than you expect in you, uh, next week. You might get exactly what you expect next week. We shall see. You know what you can do in the meantime? You can go and check out what I thought was a really, oh, this is nothing from you guys, a really incredible <laughs> piece from Calvin Ridley. He wrote oh, a lot that. of people yeah, have talked about it. I know Mike has uh, shared it online. Yeah. If you haven't read it, just him going in and talking about some of the mental health issues that he dealt with last Amen. year and some of the stuff it was unbelievable piece so just something to check out if you haven't read it made me an unbelievably huge calvin ridley fan me too and i feel optimistic more optimistic about him from a fantasy perspective him explaining why he had some of those struggles the injury issues and now it really seems like he's he's a full go and ready to go he said he's a great fit in jacksonville yes Yes. what do you say 1400 plus yards every season that's That's right i'm not going to project him that high but i'm feeling better i'm (laughs) I'm feeling close uh fun times right now in duval and amen what a wonderful story on the players tribune from calvin ridley who that's right i did not realize that uh, he came up through about as arduous of circumstances Mm -hmm. as you could so Mm -hmm. uh, mad respect to him Uh, we are going to be back again at some point to be determined but it'll be in the podcast feed wherever you get your podcast make sure that you download and if you want to you can rate that would be great. You can certainly subscribe to the podcast as well. He's Daniel. She's Starfania. He's Mike Clay. I'm Phil. Talk to you guys next week. She's got a smile that'll melt your heart. She's always there to lend a helping hand. Her fantasy knowledge is just the start Her skills are highly in demand She's our Bay Area lady Out there hustling for us With advice that we really trust She's our Bay Area lady Always there to help She's not a cone She's your favorite gal She's the fun you pick